Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 42nd episode, our guest is John D. Domenico. John D. Domenico is a professional actor, writer, performer, host, creative, and celebrity impersonator. For the last 25-plus years, he has been recognized as one of the busiest and most versatile corporate entertainers in the industry. He has worked all over the world for some of the largest production companies and their end clients by creating a unique form of infotainment. John is originally from the Philadelphia area and now lives in Las Vegas. John attended East Stroudsburg University and graduated from Temple University with a BA in speech communications. John spent a year as a PR intern for U.S. Senator Arlen Specter. He overcame a severe speech impediment to become an actor, impersonator, and performer. John has written and performed at national and international sales meetings, product launches, trade shows, and award shows around the globe for AT&T, SAP, Sony, and SC Johnson, to name a few. John's specialty is seamlessly integrating his ever-expanding cast of celebrity and original characters into any meeting element by writing content-driven comedy that delivers and amplifies the key messages of the meeting. John has appeared in the feature films Meet the Spartans, Disaster Movie, 30 Days of Paranormal Activity, and Not Another Celebrity Movie as Donald Trump, The Love Guru, and Dr. Phil. John is the official Donald Trump on Conan, 12 appearances, Red Eye on Fox News, 21 appearances, Trump Cast, Fox and Friends, and Chelsea Lately. He has also appeared on The Today Show, Inside Edition, Good Day New York, and many more. John is the only Donald Trump impersonator in the world to appear on The Today Show Australia, The Today Show Ireland, and This Morning Britain. His Trump impression has been profiled on ABC News' Nightline, NBC News, Vice Media, CNN, CNN Money, CBC, USA Today, Yahoo News, BBC Business Matters, Channel 4 Britain, and has been covered by several major print and online news outlets in the U.S., including The New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, Adweek, McClatchy, The Hill, Miami Herald, Philly.com, NJ.com, Star Ledger, and many more. DiDomenico is the only Trump impersonator to appear in multiple segments of Fox and Friends for a cross-promotion between The Apprentice and Embassy Suites with the approval of the Trump Organization. John also sent me an extensive annotated list of his many media appearances as Donald Trump, which I'll be posting under the episode on the podcast homepage. And now on to the show. Good morning, Donald Trump. Who is this? Oh, Mr. Trump. Uh, how are you, sir? Uh, well, Mr. Absolutely fantastic. Me and Booty just got off the phone. Oh, great, great. How how is he today? <laughs> He's wonderful. You know, he told me he has nothing to do with the hacking. And Julian Assange, it was a three-way call. He was saying to me, he said he didn't do anything either. So I have to believe these people. Well, of course. Why would you have any reason not to? <laughs> <laughs> what other reason could there be? I know, right? I have, I have no skepticism whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. Julian Assange, two years ago, he said he was a traitor. <laughs> Not today. Yeah, exactly. But but th- but things are going more in in your direction now, Mr. Trump. So I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Rob? Good. How are you, man? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm, I'm great. <laughs> good. Just good. Enjoying the in, the the parallel universe we're living in currently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The bizarro world Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I just don't know when we passed through that little wormhole. Yeah, exactly. The other side. I wish somebody had told me. I would have packed something or something. <laughs> I would have bought more defense stock. Right. <laughs> 
exactly. Um, well, yeah, go ahead and just let people uh, know whatever you want them to know about you here to start off. Oh, okay. Hi, this is uh, John DiDomenico. I'm an actor, writer, comedian, and currently best known as the number one Donald Trump impersonator in the world. You can hear me on the Trump cast, on Slate, on Conan O'Brien as the voice of Donald Trump, and as Captain Make America Great Again, also on Chelsea Handler, and a bunch of other shows uh, that I'm uh, supplying the voice for and appearing as Trump on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you came right out of the gate with it, so people have already gotten a flavor of, of Mr. Trump there. So. Um, but, uh, but going back to when you first started doing impressions, what was your first impression that you really perfected, you feel like? Uh, you did the first, I was five years old. I had a severe speech impediment as a child. So the first impression that I did uh, was was Ed Sullivan. Mm. Because when I was a kid, that was like the preeminent uh, variety show. And, and he was actually quite easy to imitate. He used to have people on the show imitating him. So I was like, oh, people are doing him. So right. that was the first voice I adopted. Now, right here in our show, the <laughs> fabulous Garbazzo Brothers. <laughs> That's what you know, and, and, and that's where I saw John Biner and Rich Little, and right. uh, the first person who, um, the first album I ever bought was not a music album. It was David Fry's Nixon, a four-year fantasy, mm-hmm. and on it, David Fry, who was a political comedian but was very volatile and hard to work with, allegedly. I, I don't want to you know, disparage the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he he did about forty-five voices, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of voices from that. I also learned a lot about structuring comedy and writing jokes and uh, Gabe Kaplan, who went on to be Mr. Cotter, Welcome Back Cotter, was Mm. his second on that. That was kind of his protege. So there was a lot of political comedic humor on that album because that's what it was but it was really funny stuff mm-hmm. everything from Nixon to The Godfather to Billy Graham to all these other great characters of the time right right um, now were but were impressions your first uh, kind of thing that you you started doing did you have other interests in, as far as uh, expressing yourself uh, you know um, in comedy and okay. things like that yeah I mean I wanted to do stand up I wanted to make movies I wanted you know I wanted to do everything because mm-hmm. I came from uh, you know my dad was a, my father was a steel worker with a ninth grade education and to me uh, I watched the movies and TV so the world was wide open mm-hmm. to do all these things you know it's like oh everyone's doing all this stuff and you know I didn't realize that <laughs> it takes like 25 30 years right. to get anywhere yeah, you know absolutely uh, especially when you have like zero contacts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, but he, n- nobody knows anybody, right? Yeah. Nobody. And, and you know, in, in, when I was a kid, I mean, everyone was really supportive. And I, like I said, I grew up in a, I grew up in a row home neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So in the summers, I used to go outside. Everyone was outside, you know, it was late 60s, early 70s, uh, right outside of Philly. Not everyone really had uh, air conditioning back then. And I would go outside and do an act, and everyone loved it, and everyone was great. And like, oh, that Johnny, he's going, he's going places. Let me do 
every one of these companies is having a meeting in one of these cities. Mm -hmm. So in about six months, I stopped everything and totally focused on corporate work. Mm -hmm. And then for about the next, um, gosh, at least 20 years, it was all corporate. Wow. So I got to travel all over the world. I worked with huge, huge shows, 5,000 people, audiences, great productions, got to really write and develop a lot of characters better, to, you know, was working consistently. Mm -hmm. And I would work a week at a time on all of these different shows. And at one point, 90% of my work was pharmaceutical. Oh, wow. Yeah, so in these meetings were lavish and big, right? And then I would, and I would be like kind of the the interstitial comedy, and I would do five characters in the course of the week, and they would have a big name act too, and also mm. a big name speaker. Wow! I've gotten to see every single major speaker there is, luckily. And then the pharmaceutical, <laughs> then the rules changed. The, the, all the pharma rules changed about seven, eight years ago, and. That all that work vanished. What what rules changed that made that happen? They um, they stopped spending as much. Hmm. They weren't allowed to have entertainers uh, at trade shows. That was I was doing at least one trade show wow. a month. Um, also, as things tightened up and they were under more scrutiny, they cut back on the size of the meetings. Um, they also just hit like a natural lull in sales on certain drugs, and then a lot of the pipelines. I don't know if you. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay, there was a period about 20, 15 years ago, they were coming out with new drugs all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, Veloxin, you know, help you do, you know, Pateferin, you know, you know, all these things. It's incredible. You won't be depressed anymore, you know. You know, your stool will be so soft. And stuff was just coming out left and right. And you'll notice that there's lesser drugs coming out. You know, they have these pipelines of all these things. Right. There were other drugs where, uh -huh. like, people were dying. <laughs> really inconvenient for sales. That kind of hurt sales when people die. Right. Um, <laughs> we just weren't expecting the deaths. So, um, so a lot of companies, so all these things kind of compiled together, but, but these were like big internal changes mm. that they self-imposed, and I think some things were federal changes. and So all these things kind of like were the perfect storm to screw me, because it's always about me. Of and, course, you know, yeah. This industry's been against me from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a it was an amazing run. Yeah. in all honesty. So I got to meet a lot of great people and a lot of great production companies. Absolutely. And and that kind of showed me the infrastructure of these meetings. And I always did um, I always did trade shows too because that whole corporate thing led to more trade show work. Mm -hmm. And about fifteen years ago, I introduced the SD card at Comdex, mm. and then they stuck with me for, like, years and years, and I was their host, presenter, writer. Mm. So for years, I did all the um, SD, the, you know, the SD cards that oh, went yeah. to, you know, Android phones and oh, yeah. cameras and all that kind of stuff. So that was a great run. And as an actor, performer, comedian, you're always looking for, like, I need a job that's going to last more than, like, a week. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these things, you know, it was once a year, but it was over the course of years. Mm -hmm. So Right. All these things kind of play together, and to go back to your original question, I was always utilizing voices and impersonations right. and doing different things, and I did Austin Powers, mm -hmm. and that was was incredible. Uh, so I always kept up with the voices, tried to do the acting thing. I was in New York, uh, but kept getting, I feel like, you know, Al Pacino, they kept pulling me back in. <laughs> 
so I always kept getting pulled back into the, the character work. Right. And then around 2004, The Apprentice came out. Mm-hmm. And somebody called me and said, hey, are you doing Donald Trump yet? And I said, gosh, not not really. I mean, I'm obviously aware of him. I was always a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And then um, they said, well, there's a voiceover on Monday. And I ran out to the store. It was a Friday. I went to Costco or someplace, and I bought the first season of The Apprentice. It had literally just come out. Mm. And I locked myself in my house that weekend. I broke his voice down into elements. I was kind of did it as scientifically as possible because, mm-hmm. you know, the audition was Monday and I didn't have time to kind of mess around. And I went in and got the audition and then did a couple of Trump voiceovers in that month. Then another com- another production company I work with called and said, hey, are you doing full-on Donald Trump yet? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, not yet, but, I, you know, I've nailed down the voice. And they said, okay, well, if you can put the whole character together, wig, you know, that whole bit, then, um, then you know, we've got a, a booking for you. And that's how it always worked. It wasn't an audition. It was like, if you're doing this, we'll hire you. Has anyone ever asked you if you're doing an impression and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't yet, but now I will. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you, know, you know Guy Fieri from, uh, uh-huh. you know, Diner they, sure. I got a call for that. And they say, hey, you doing um, Guy Fieri? And I was like, hold on, baby, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do now. No, Taco Grease, I'm doing them right now. <laughs> You know, exactly. So, and dive. Uh, so <laughs> you know, and it's always, and I have a, I have a nice infrastructure of like um, a makeup person I go to and mm-hmm. a wig builder that I go to, and you know, t- you know, after a certain point, you know, where to get wardrobe and things like right. that. So I adopted Guy Fieri. Um, I think it was uh, right the end of the first season of uh, Minute to Win It because mm-hmm. you know a lot of these characters, you've got to wait for them to go national. Mm-hmm. So enough people know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was the beauty of Austin Powers. My God, I was doing him since '97, mm-hmm. and he kind of, he maybe trailed off about three or four years ago. That's oh, how wow. the incredible run I had with Austin Powers. I think I, I think I bought like multiple houses because of my character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, when the uh, when the second movie came out, I think I was doing him five days a week. Right, uh, and I think 2000 not 2007. People Magazine did like little story and said, he's the best um, Austin Powers impersonator, and those kind of things always give you oh, a yeah. boost. So, Definitely. yeah, so all these kind of impersonations and, you know, manipulating my voice and what's going on, baby? Yeah! I've <laughs> always been, that's what's always ended up making my, you know, making my my living. Right. You know? Well, you gotta you gotta sell what people are buying. So if that's what people are buying, that's right. what you gotta yeah, be selling. And I've always, so. Yeah, and, and you know the funny thing now, as someone who's gotten older, um, uh, I'm always looking for well, what's the next character? Because we live in such a fractionalized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have nieces and nephews who don't even watch TV. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. So you know, I'll be over my my brother Michael's house when I'm back in the Philadelphia area, and I I'll say to them like, "What are you What are you watching? Or what are you seeing?" And and they'll show me things on YouTube of people unboxing sneakers, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Why does this guy have seven million views? He's opening a box with sneakers in it." Yeah. So. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's it's a good and a bad thing in that you know there are more ways to get noticed. It's just there's so many more people trying to get noticed. You know oh what I mean? So. 
It's a double-edged sword, but um, you uh, you touched on this a little bit when you're talking about first starting your Trump impression. But when you're when you're approaching a new impression, uh, do you kind of what what's your process for breaking that down? Do you look for the most recognizable parts of their mannerisms or speech patterns, or how do you, how do you go about doing that? I always, you know, the first thing for me is is this in my genetic range, mm-hmm. and I've got a pretty I've got a pretty decent range. I can go to the low end and I can fake like a falsetto. So, uh, you know, that's like an important thing to me. Um, so is that, that's like check number one. Mm-hmm. And then for, and I, Trump's kind of the perfect example of this. It's all right. So where is his throat placement? And for him, I, and in my mind, there's a you know there's like a one to ten scale, and like the number one would be closest to my heart, and number ten would be closest to my mouth. Mm. So in my mind, it's like okay, where is he? How far do I have to push my voice <laughs> down my throat to get that sound? So in my mind, that that's a, like a level three, and the reason I do that is that way I can always come back to it. Yeah, I won't forget. So okay, so it's three, and then you add on the layer of that little bit of graveliness that he has. (laughs) It's just a little, I have to tell you, I have to tell you. And then, so that little bit of graveliness, and then then the nasality, I'm from the Philadelphia area, I used to live in New York, that whole northeast corridor of the nasality where he (laughs) almost doesn't speak through his nose. Uh I mean, he doesn't really breathe through his nose, he kind of holds it in, so when he's talking, it doesn't sound like he's breathing. So then there's that element of it. Then there's that very strange vocal production that he has that seems to be only him. Uh-huh. You know, it's only, you, know, you remember how the Kennedy spoke? Like, everyone yeah. like the Hyannis for Kennedy. Like, people were like, no one speaks like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, except the Kennedys. Yeah, right. Trump has this thing where only Trump speaks like Trump. I yeah. Mean, he has his own brand of hair, his own brand of business, yeah. his own brand of speaking. So, I'm going to do it right now, even though we're, you know, on the radio. But you can hear I'm, I'm doing that thing where he does the uh, the the thing where he you know the, the mouth thing uh-huh. where it's like an O ring. So if you hold your lips like that, it totally changes your vocal production. <laughs> so and, and Trump does this thing where he you know actors you know as an actor you're taught to speak from your chest mm-hmm. because your your chest becomes your vocal amplification mm-hmm. into the theater trump does something and, and obviously he's not an actor but uh, he does something where he forms his words right on the top of those lips mm-hmm. when he does the sourpuss face yeah. resting bitch face that he has mm-hmm. that 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 whole thing with the lips he's forming the words right in front of his lips so even though he's a big guy uh-huh. you don't realize how big he is. He's like 6'3". Right. He doesn't have like a big, booming voice. Uh-huh. So he, because he's forming it right there. Uh-huh. Then you have the layer of the cadence. Uh-huh. You know, that very, and this is more from The Apprentice, but it would be, you know, guys, the girls really took you apart. I have to tell you. <laughs> Unfortunately, you tried very hard. You fired. So it's like, cut, 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 this weird staccato kind of thing. Right. And no one else really has that. Except when I was researching Trump, I was thinking, is there anybody else from Queens? Who else is from Queens mm-hmm. that 
speaks the way this guy speaks. And then I was thinking about, you know, oh, Christopher Walken. Yeah. And Walken that, is yeah. from Queens. So when Trump speaks, he does that very same kind of cadence. And that's, thing yeah, that, that's funny that now that you say that because I do kind of detect that. And, and there's this one moment I love when you're reading his tweets. It's usually when you say the word so bad, it's so bad. Like, and that, that does kind of so remind bad. me of. I have to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a very Walken-esque uh, exclamation. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, and then you have to add in, like, he had to add in all these other things because uh-huh. Trump does these weird things where, like, in a one-on-one interview, like, say, if it's you and him and Sean Hannity, like, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, I have to tell you, Sean, we tried very, very hard. I talked to the Chinese, terrible people, the Chinese, terrible, terrible people. So it's kind of this kind of intimate kind of style that he has. <laughs> and then I'm sure you've seen the stump speeches in front of 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like 90 minutes stand-up act. Yeah. You know. You know, we're not winning. We're not winning anymore. You know what I mean? I am going to make America great. By the way, when's the last time we won anything? Right? Right? Am I right? <laughs> so he's, he's going up. He's going down. He's constricting his vocal uh-huh. cords. It's, it's, uh, no one speaks like this guy. No. Or no I was going to say, it's probably a convenient thing if you're trying to do an impression if somebody doesn't speak like anyone else because then you have some more things that you can hang just off them and it's not just a right. generic impression. So. Well, yeah, and you know, the thing is, though, he's got so many ticks and so many, if you're missing something, it could it could hurt the impression. Because there are a lot of people doing Trump, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you'll hear it all the time, and they'll say, that guy's terrible, and he doesn't sound anything like him, or, you know, it, or it, but what it is a lot of times is they're missing, like, just key components. Mm-hmm. They're getting, like, 80% of his voice and his and his mannerisms, but they're, they're probably missing, missing a key thing, because there's just so many elements that go into the way he speaks. It's almost, you know, like when Mike Myers created Austin Powers, it was basically like a basic London, mm-hmm. um, London-esque, you know, British kind of thing. It was like an amalgamation, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, baby. <laughs> So it's kind of like you, you can see where all the pieces are, and it's very easy. Even with me with Trump, I have to. I listen to him every day. Mm-hmm. I go back and listen because I have to do a refresh mm-hmm. because he just doesn't speak like anybody else. And there's little different ticks that he uses. And, you know, even Saturday night when he was talking to the press corps about the hacking, you know, I know a lot about hacking. I know a lot about hacking. And I have my son, my son, the cyber, the cyber, my the cyber. Son, you know, Brandon, I made a Brandon, my, my son, Barrett, Barrett, he's an expert, the kid, he's incredible, I have to tell you, <laughs> really, really, and listen, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to know, I know more than you do, I know more than you do, <laughs> believe me, believe me, because when he doesn't believe me, he always drops, yeah, it makes it very serious, believe me, right, believe me, exactly, that, he's very consistent on the believe me, uh-huh. that's, that's that moment, it's you and him, listen, believe me, yeah, believe it's an intimate you're Trump, be so <laughs> I'm going to be so good for women, women, I, I cherish women, I do, I cherish women, women are tremendous, they're tremendous people, they're just like men, but they have vaginas, so that's like the main difference, and boobs, which I love, I love boobs, boobs are tremendous, boobs are really amazing, you know, yeah. In the course, when he's saying something, he himself is adding to it as mm-hmm. he's saying it. Well, he's just constructing sentences out of thin air, basically. <laughs> so. Right. Well, it's, it's, the, like, the best example 
because when you he'll, he'll say like so for one of the speeches it was like so last week last week right right he's doing one of these big crowds so last week we go to Chicago by the way by the way Chicago a mess a mess I have to tell you, that city is an absolute disaster other than the fact I have an incredible Trump Tower Hotel there incredible hotel and it's not a Trump hotel it's a dump hotel frankly it's but that city's a mess it's a mess so we're in Chicago and by the way and by the way and it's like he can't get through a sentence he like interrupts himself he interrupts <laughs> no himself and he goes back to the and he goes back to the original premise five times before he gets to what he was talking about yeah exactly uh, now you, you mentioned this a little bit but uh, I, what do you think of some of the other uh, prominent Trump impersonators obviously this is a very uh, impression you know a lot of people want to do this impression but uh, have you seen Anthony Adam Montmaniac? Maniac? Yes. Yeah. I, I think Anthony is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony's amazing, and the reason why is, and we've we've spoken through things. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate what he's doing. I, you know, the, the thing for me, I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. I've been doing Trump longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. I was the second person ever to appear on national television as Donald Trump. In, uh, on 2006, mm-hmm. I was Trump on Fox and Friends for a cross-promotion between The Apprentice mm-hmm. and um, Embassy Suites. And the video's on my YouTube YouTube account. Mm-hmm. The only other person who was doing it was Phil Hartman. There was nobody else. Wow. So I have a really long runway mm-hmm. with Trump, which which is great, because that's, you know, that's really what you want. You want sure. to be able to have, you know, perfect the voice. So I'm very lucky in that respect. Uh, so, but with people like Anthony, when Anthony started doing it, I was like, oh my God, what he did was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because he took, because I was, I did The Apprentice for so many years and team building and things like that. Right. So I was tied into kind of old school Trump and how Trump really was. And he kind of subverted mm-hmm. his impersonation. So it was this no id, totally out of control, right. say whatever you want. <laughs> and I was like, son of a bitch. That's, that, I, I, you know, that's not how, that's, I don't do fantastical kind of things like that. Right, I'm right. Very, my thing is like, try to be authentic and accurate. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, he's extremely accurate. Right. So, well, and then he also performs great. with uh, James Adomian doing uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and that's kind of also, oh, like you were saying, yeah. a fantastical version of, of Bernie Sanders, too. So. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, and I watch their stuff, and I had to be very careful because, you know, I, I'm an improv person. He's an improv person, but I didn't, I didn't want to like see too much of their stuff. Right. Well, you don't want to infect your own well or whatever. Exactly. You know, so. I have to. Exactly. I was like, they're great. I have to really limit watching him. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Know, but we, a number of times since we are connected on Facebook, some of the he'll say, hey, Anthony, this was incredible. And he'll say, no, that's the great John D. Domenico. And, <laughs> um, and this, just this week alone, somebody posted something on my Facebook page, and they were like, oh, my God. And I was like, no, that's not me. That's Anthony. And so out of out of all the people who do – because I'm, I'm Trump on Conan O'Brien. Right. 
and he, a lot of people who know Anthony think that's him. Mm. So he's he's always very gracious about mm. pointing out the fact that no, that's that's John. Right. And I also try to like return the favor because mm-hmm. I think comedically he's just he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. So um, so uh, he I think he's one of he's he's not one of the I mean I think he's the, I don't really think anybody else is really nailing the voice. Well, what do you think and, of Alec Baldwin's take on it? Absolutely horrible. That guy's really hack. Oh my god! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, Alec Baldwin. I have to say this: Alec Baldwin is an amazing actor. He's uh-huh. an amazing mimic. He's a great impressionist. Uh-huh. Got unbelievable, you know, you know, comedic timing. And if you've ever seen his Tony Bennett, have you ever seen his Tony Bennett? On SNL? I don't think so. No. Oh, but do yourself a favor. Uh-huh. Google, Google Alec Baldwin as Tony Bennett. He used to do the Tony Bennett show. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Bennett. Yeah, you know, oh, the good life. So one of the episodes on the Tony Bennett show, Alec Baldwin's Tony Bennett, they have on the real Tony Bennett. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just side-splitting. And, it, and, and he's, he's so funny. He's just so great. The thing I have, the issue I have with Alec Baldwin's Trump mm-hmm. is he made a very specific decision on how to do him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, me personally, as someone who does the character and, you know, listens, has to readjust that almost every day, he's doing kind of a one-note right. uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the nuances that he has in a lot of his other voices, he doesn't deliver in Trump. And maybe that might that just might have to do with the fact that he was, you know, that whole thing happened so quickly. We're like, you you're going to be doing Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So, but I find he's dropping. No, no, no. You know, it, sad. It's very kind of <laughs> yeah, sad. But that, you know, conversely, I mean, he's just had some incredible lines this year. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. Well, and he only. Has- to be Trump for the space of that sketch, and that's it. Right. So I mean, you you have to right. do more. And he doesn't have to so. like me or Anthony or other, you know or these are the other guys who are out on the doing this. You know, we have to write our stuff, and I have to rewrite my scripts every single right. audience and everything. You know, so but but honestly, you know, he is right now the preeminent. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump because he's reaching such an amazing uh, an amazing audience and just on kind of the marketing side it is have you in the last 25 years and he's been around a while I mean he's a, a big movie star mm-hmm. but honestly Alec Baldwin has been in the public public awareness sphere at 100 since September Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like there's not a few days that go by without him being mentioned. And yeah. it's, and it's really it was very it was brilliant uh-huh. what Lauren Michaels did bringing him in. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? And and he's a very, you know, Baldwin's a very political guy and he's a very smart guy and it's 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 very it's it's uh, everything they're doing I think is a home run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But but when I was mentioned in the Washington Post as the only person that could possibly replace him, I have to tell you that like just made my day. Sure. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Like, yes! <laughs> Let's make that happen, people! Oh, yeah, wait, I don't right. have any people. You know? <laughs> Gotta get some people. Put that on I checklist. need people, people! <laughs> Maybe I can get some of the minions or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Um, now, uh, you mentioned, of course, that you were on Trumpcast, and I, I did name that as my best new podcast of the year. Uh, yeah, you know, which I thought was fantastic. No. I'm sure Jacob Weisberg is uh, elated about that. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, I, it's, it's always fun because it's like I always look forward to you reading the tweets because sometimes the interviews are kind of depressing. So it's like mm. nice little uh, nice I little know. break. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, I, I, I always try to listen because they always have amazing guests. I know. So exactly. And, yeah. and then you'll hear the story and it's like, you're like, oh, my God. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the guy doing the tweets. I want to hear more. <laughs> that was fun. But and I don't know if you've listened to the end, and sometimes I just improv uh-huh. at the end. Yeah, I like that too. And I that started as just for them. Oh, really? Yeah, because I would read the tweets, and at the end I would say, and I have to tell you, me and Booty, I love him. I call him Vladdy Poo Poo. <laughs> he and I we talk every day, you know. And I would just I would rip for like a minute, and that was for them. And then they started putting it on at the end of the show. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. So th- that that was great too. Oh, so those it's, are it's nice to have a platform. Uh-huh. And every few days, I can just kind of riff and take the main tweets that we've done and kind of come up with a new little, like a, an extended fantasy tweet. Mm-hmm. You know, that stays within the. I try not to go again. I try not to go too fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if if at the end of the show somebody says, "Did he really say that?" <laughs> then I kind of hit. Then I've hit the mark. Yeah. I've created just enough doubt. Sure, absolutely. Now, I think it's interesting because you kind of go across the political spectrum as far as where you do your impressions. Of course, you do it on Trumpcast, and uh, I think Slate, you could probably fairly say, is, is more of a, a liberal uh, left publication, and then you kind of go over to Fox and Friends, and of course, that's mm-hmm. that's probably more on the right. So, um, Oh, yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah. cut across. Uh, do you have to pr- remain kind of uh, apolitical personally just to kind of go that uh, wide swath? Or? Right, because, you know, for me... I- I'm, I do the same character on Trumpcast as I do on Fox and Friends mm-hmm. on, and on Red Eye. I don't change the character up. And, and uh, you know, when people say to me, like, do they say anything to you at Fox? I mean, no one's ever said a word to me. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, I come on and they have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh-huh. Which, and I think, I think that's fantastic. Uh-huh. You know, they give me a very wide berth, and, I, I, and, I, and I'm very, you know, I've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. and I'm very, you know, I'm very skilled at improv, and I'm also very skilled at remaining inside boundaries I create for myself. Uh-huh. Because when you do corporate for, like, decades, you have a filtering system mm-hmm. that is very... It's very specific because it's got to be. Because when if you're in front of three or 4,000 people in a corporate audience and you improv something that can come back to you, which is politically incorrect or seen as misogynistic, or is it, uh, believe me, HR is on top of you. So you get to a point where it's, um, I always call it, I call it the Casablanca. Mm-hmm. For myself, because uh-huh. we all know what was going on. When you see the movie Casablanca, you right. know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know they're trading sex for passports, and they're doing this, and mm-hmm. they're doing that, and there's gambling and all this stuff. But when you watch the movie, that's not. You don't know any of that stuff. You know it, but you don't know it. Right. So a lot of my stuff has to be written in a way and delivered in a way that. Uh, if you're watching closely, mm-hmm. I'm usually trying to hit it on three levels. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's kind of a tightrope walk, it seems like, because you're also you're also doing some of the more uh, politically incorrect characters in our in our culture between Austin Powers and Donald Trump. Right, I, right. You never know what those people might say. 
So. Oh, and you know, and for years people would say, like, when I'm like a company, like a production company, or is hiring me, and says, they would say, "Oh, the client's really getting. We're getting a lot of pushback on Austin Powers." And just tell them, it's the nicest, warmest Austin Powers. Yeah, right. And they'll get, and once they see it, they'll get it. Uh huh. And and they always, oh, okay, yeah, we see what you're doing. And I did, uh, I did the security show in um in uh, Denver uh, a few a few months back mm-hmm. and i was prepping and i had a you know a secret service detail and this woman walks up to me who's who's obviously muslim she has is it the hijab that's, that's the headscarf mhm uh, so she she said to me she goes i don't like you i don't like you that's just as trump and i said you know what you're going to love me you're going to absolutely love me believe me believe me you're going to love it you're going to love it so I did my presentation, and um, I was at the booth that, that had hired me. I was back there, and she came back, and he goes, okay, I like your Trump. I like your Trump. Your Trump is funny. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I, you know, politically, I, you know, I know people who are um, very pro-Trump. I'm, I'm literally some impersonators. I know mm-hmm. a, a guy who's very pro-Trump. I know somebody else who's anti-Trump. And it's like, listen, neither one of you is going to change anybody. Mind. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and you're alienating half your audience. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always like I'm I'm a performer. I'm an actor. I mm-hmm. want to reach the biggest audience and I want to entertain the biggest audience. And as a satirist, I want to make sure my satire is really relevant and hits. Like is like a direct hit. Mm-hmm. So people can go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I, I you know, I read when I'm on Fox, I read, you know, the posts that I see after I've been on Red Eye or mm-hmm. on on um what do you call it on um, uh, Fox and Friends, mm-hmm. and the same thing in any, in any of the other stuff that I do, even if it's on Conan. I, mm-hmm. I just want to see like uh, it, it, it gauge where is it being gauged at? Mm-hmm. You know, all this humor. So if I can kind of walk that line, if I can make a really hardcore Trump person laugh. Mm-hmm. That I've done my job. If I can make somebody who's anti-Trump, who's like, I, I've had people say, "I'm so sick of Trump," you know, but but you're funny. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> so, that's the biggest compliment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. But I was yeah, going to say, I, I, does, I, I, does it ever happen that somebody uh, who is pro-Trump it gets protective of Trump because they think you're you're mocking him in a way that's oh, not yeah. whatever? Or yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I haven't gotten that personally mm-hmm. because once you see my act in person, you you, you kind of get it um but obviously when I'll, I'll do an appearance on uh i have to go back to one of the fox appearances someone's like why are you bashing donald trump he's gonna be our next president i'm like i'm not bashing him did you notice that i was on fox you know? <laughs> you know? and then it always degenerates like before the before before the election someone would like write that like, you know, why are you bashing Donald Trump? And the next person would be like, how come you're not bashing Hillary? Why don't you dress up as Hillary? It's like, well, number one, I'm a guy. Maybe you haven't noticed. And I don't do her. And the number, then it gets the next thing, like, she should be in jail. The next person, yeah, Hillary should be in jail. You know, Benghazi. And then it's like, I, it just degenerates into 
into this kind of political <laughs> thing, and I'm like, and I feel like, and I never post, but I feel sure. like writing. Hey, could we get back to me, please? Yeah, exactly. This is my comedy, and I'm just, it's, you know, it's like, can we just, just everyone relax? It's right. Comedy. Okay. Well, at that point, it's just a Rorschach test. It's like an ink plot test. It's not really it has to do with you anymore. It's just whatever they yeah. come to the table with. So. <laughs> uh, we get it. You want Hillary in jail? Yeah. That's fine. This is a five-minute piece. Yeah. Can you just enjoy the interview? <laughs> exactly. God, we, we'll put her in jail next week. <laughs> right, right. Um, now, uh, when you heard Trump was elected, uh, where were you and what was your reaction? And were you elated? Were you sick of doing the character? What was your reaction? Oh, no. I will never get sick of that. <laughs> um, I was in, believe it or not, um, I was in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I... I was, how do I say this? I was, this is a, this person is extremely wealthy, who's has a connection to Trump, hmm. uh, but he's Canadian, hmm. and he, he's a big fan, and he wanted me for, it was like his 80th birthday party, um, <laughs> in, in Montreal, and I was there doing my bit on election night, and hmm. he also had a lot of other entertainers, too, so I did like a 20-minute Trump bit. But part of my act uh, is going into the audience and talking to people and who are you and what do you do and that kind of thing. Good to see you. look fantastic. Because it was a very high-end affair. <laughs> As I was walking through the audience that night, people were holding up their iPhones with their with the map of the states, mm-hmm. CNN or Fox or whatever, and I could see the country going red. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And I had said back in August on channel, on the, the British news channel four, I said Trump was going to win by a landslide. I, had, hmm. I felt that 100%. Right. Because I had been on the road for, you know, 16 months mm-hmm. and I had done so many events and these were not political events, but it was always overwhelmingly for Trump. Mm-hmm. And I mean, early on, I thought, this is. What the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought this is this is odd, and I, I have to tell you, when I really knew it was happening was mm-hmm. um, I was in San Diego or L.A., and I, you know, if I'm in a hotel and I'm going heading to, to the to the ballroom, um, I'm in full Trump regalia. Uh-huh. I'm about to head backstage, right. and I this happened more than once. And this is one of the like the, key, the early indicators to me. So I come out of my room, and, you know, the housekeeping staff is in the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's now 10 a.m., and the rooms are turning over. And I would walk out, and this woman, I'll never forget this. She said, oh, oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. You look fantastic. Uh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, can I get a photo with you, Mr. Trump? And I'm thinking, she's going to put a knife in my back while we take a photo. <laughs> And she said, and, and she does, I want to take a selfie with you, Mr. Trump. Uh, okay, let's do, what is your name? What is your name? My name is Esmeralda. Hello, Esmeralda. Where are you from? Where are you from? I'm from Mexico. You're legal, right? You're legal? Yes, yes Mr. Trump, I'm legal. She goes, I'm voting for you. Mm. Wow. And I'm thinking, you're voting. I almost broke character. <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'm voting for you. You're going to build the wall. You're going to build the wall. I'm going to vote for you. Wow. Wow. That happened like five times. Huh. And then, um, you know, most times when I get to a city, they assign me a driver. Mm-hmm. So I remember, I forget where I was. I was in New York or I forget what city I was in. Um, 
And I got in, and there was my driver, and I sensed pretty early on he was Muslim just by some of the mm-hmm. things he was saying, and he was Pakistani. And, mm-hmm. um, and I said, he was like, so, so, what do you do? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a comedian. Oh, you're a comedian. You're a comedian. Oh, very funny. So what kind of comedy do you do? And I said, well, I'm in person. I'm trying not to tell him what sure, I do. Sure, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to avoid this, like, the plague. So... <laughs> So he's like, what do you, you know, I said, I'm an impersonator. Who do you impersonate? Do you impersonate? And I was like, oh, Dr. Phil and Austin Powers and Guy Fieri and Donald Trump and uh, Larry King. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. He goes, I love Donald Trump. I love Donald Trump. Wow. I was like, you do? He goes, yes, yes, I love Donald Trump. I said, why, why, do, you, why do you love Donald Trump? I'm, I'm curious. He goes, because Donald Trump is going to build a wall between me and the terrorist. Wow. I am not a terrorist. I am not a terrorist. I love America. I love America. Mm-hmm. So he's going to tell people. And I was like, wow. I was like, I never heard this one before. So it was it was fascinating mm-hmm. to hear what different people said and to catch this this vibe of wow. I don't know if the the national press is really because I kept doing these events and overwhelming audiences mm-hmm. were for for Trump. And I'm thinking this isn't tracking right mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing in the in the normal press. Right. And I did, and the the thing that was like the nail in the coffin on top of everything else. Uh, this was uh, May of this year, May or June. I did an event in New York City. Mm-hmm. All right, this is New York, mm-hmm. and it was a group of 500 healthcare workers in in New York and a lot of major cities where there's waterways. You know, they do these cruises around the city. Mm-hmm. So this is a cruise around the city, and we were going up and down the Hudson and the East River, and I was Trump, but I did, like, you know, it was in one of my sets, I did like 15, 20 minutes, and I do a bit in my act, and I did it right up to the uh, to the election, where I'd say, all right, folks, who here wants to ruin America and vote for Hillary Clinton? <laughs> you know, crooked Hillary Clinton. Crooked Hillary, yeah. and And it would always be like, you know... Less than a quarter of the audience, very unenthusiastically responding. Mm-hmm. And I was in New York. Now, I was thinking, oh, well, this is going to be a Hillary crowd, you would think. So, like, 12 people out of 500. Mm-hmm. Then I said, all right, all right, fantastic. We, that's great, nobody. And then I said, who here wants to make America great again? And they and vote for me. Well, the boat exploded. One of these little cruise things. I was like, oh, my God. I said, okay, great, great. This is fantastic. This is fantastic, I have to tell you. So, all of the Trump people, take a look at the Hillary people. Throw them off the boat. So, it was, you know, a big laugh. So, but that was a big indicator to me that, you know, really overwhelmingly that this was trending towards Trump. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was that was like kind of the like the main main indicator. Yeah. No, that, that's that's interesting because I was I was totally blindsided by the result, but I really shouldn't have been. I mean, I live in Central Indiana and I commute an hour to work every day, and then I don't even know what I could tell you if a what a Hillary sign looks like. So I mean, <laughs> it's you know, and, and it's it's also funny that you say that being a comedian because I'm I'm friends with other comedians and they posted after the election. They're like, "What are you people so shocked about?" Every comedian I know that travels the country knows this was going to happen. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> 
It's the truth because we get kind of an inside view yeah. of what people are thinking. Right, exactly. You really see a lot more of the country that way, and it's like it's it's pretty clear to people that you know know that that was going to happen. So, yeah. Um, but uh, as far as meeting people that you have done impersonations of, have you ever met somebody that you've done an impersonation of? Well, I did. I, I did Trump's fifty fifth birthday party. Really? But I didn't do it. Yeah, I did it as Austin Powers. I did not do it as. <laughs> I did not do. I did it as Austin Powers. Baby, because he's such a swinger. Um, yeah, so this was Atlantic City 15 years ago, uh, and it was a fi- his 55th birthday. So it was, um, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Right. Uh, I've been very close to meeting Mike Myers. That that re- hasn't really happened. Uh huh. So yeah. Do you? I know you do several Mike Myers characters. Uh, you do yeah. Wayne Campbell, uh, Doctor Evil, Austin Powers, of course, and then the Love Guru. Is there is there something about his impersonations that just make it easier to do? Because a lot of his characters are themselves kind of impersonations of like, of course, Doctor Evil's Lauren Michaels and you right. know like that. So yeah, you know, it's funny. I've had numerous people comment on my, go to my YouTube channel, watch my videos, and say, is that Mike Myers doing Donald Trump? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's happened more than once. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we were shooting in New York, and I was Trump, uh-huh. and a guy came up and he was like, is that Mike Myers? <laughs> So I think, you know, for me, Mike, I, I, we're very close in age. Uh-huh. We're physically the same. Uh-huh. We're, we're physically built the same way. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, uh, I think we have the same kind of comedic sensibility. Uh, yeah. I, I love, I mean, I love all things British. His dad was British. Yeah. I've always been obsessed with British comedy and uh-huh. Monty Python and a lot of those great comedians and uh, Peter Sellers. I was a huge fan of his. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm an improv guy. I mean, he was very, he got to be Second City. I had dreamed of being Second City. <laughs> so it's just kind of a parallel kind of way. And, you know, even, you know, Wayne was based on this suburban kid. Well, I grew up in a row home, but, you know, basically I totally got what he what, what he was doing with sure. Wayne Campbell. Yeah. And the, the, one of the funniest lines is, because we're very, like I said, he and I are very close in age. <laughs> There's a line, in the scene of the first movie where I think they show Frampton Comes Alive, uh-huh. the album, uh-huh. and he says, he's like, all right, yeah, I definitely have that. They issue that at birth or something. Like that. <laughs> and the thing, it was so, that album was so ubiquitous. Uh-huh. When I was, you know, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, it was like the biggest selling live album of all time time so uh, there's, there's just so many close parallels between between me and him obviously mm-hmm. right. I'm a millionaire and yeah. I'm you know <laughs> still trying to you know right. make a name for myself but I really I honestly there were so few comedic geniuses mm-hmm. but he is truly a comedic genius mm-hmm. when you think about the fact that you know everyone hopes Hopes to have like a catchphrase get into the American vernacular. Mm-hmm. This guy's got like 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, AOL basically purchased, you know, yeah, baby, 
you know, when, the, when your mail came in. You know what I mean? It was, it was so insanely popular. Right. Look at the characters. You know, Wayne from Wayne's World, Austin, Dr. Evil, Gold. I mean, people just quote the stuff left mm-hmm. and right. It, it, it's amazing the impact he has had yeah. uh, on, on, on comedy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he spawned an entire ind- Halloween industry based <laughs> on the Austin Powers characters and the fembots and Dr. Evil and Number Two. And uh, it's, it's really remarkable what has sprung from that guy's yeah. comedy mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, now, one thing I thought was interesting on your website here is you do uh, historical impersonations, uh, including Albert Einstein and Benjamin Franklin, which yeah. is interesting because no one really knows what Benjamin Franklin actually sounded like, so you're kind of making oh, that do. up. I you do, do. I know. Very oh. well. Yeah, I know very, very well. Yeah. Okay. I'm the number one premier expert on the way that Benjamin Franklin spoke. <laughs> You got some wax cylinder somewhere that you'd study. <laughs> yes, I, I probably do the. Yeah, my my Benjamin Franklin is just a very watered down, very light British accent. Oh, okay, I see. Because so I have no real weight. I have no place to. No, you know, my, my Benjamin Franklin sounds just like this. You know, a penny saved is a penny. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of that very earnest kind of thing. Like someone who's a proctor in a, in a class. And how I have to tell you, Philadelphia and all these things, and being from Philly, I was always fascinated sure. um, with, with history, and especially him. He was just like, talk about uh, you know another genius. This guy just like didn't sleep, and he came up with all these ideas, and was so altruistic in everything that he did, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just he uh, he's such an amazing person. You know, back then, a lot of money was handed down, and people didn't, things were invented at a much slower pace. Uh-huh. My God, I mean, he was just like spitting ideas out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I had noticed one of the other services you provide on your website is Roastmaster for Corporate Roasts, and we were talking a little bit about how, you know, when you're doing corporate gigs, that, that can be kind of a tightrope. Now, that seems like a, a really high bar to clear, being that you're, you're roasting, I assume, executives in the co- in the company, so that has, has that ever gone awry? Have you ever had to rein people in? Maybe it's like, this is my time to tell the boss off or something. We've <laughs> 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 had a few. I've been set up a couple of times, Um, it, 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 overall, I, I, my success rate with the roast are—it's great because, uh-huh. and a lot of times, and I, early on, I was doing it as Lieutenant Columbo because uh-huh. um, it was an investigation, and I would do five or six people, at, you know, be an after dinner kind of thing mm-hmm. at, a, at a sales meeting, and then I incorporated Trump because we did like an apprentice thing, and and it was great with Trump because he could really eviscerate people. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, it's, it's like the Don Rickles thing. People love to be insulted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you right. get them on stage and kind of rip them. But I, one time, did it. I won't mention a company. Uh-huh. But I was, and mind you, I've done hundreds of these. So I was assigned a guy who was like a VP at the company who filled me in on all the people, mm-hmm. gave me all the info, and I really only dealt with him. Usually it's kind of a committee of people, and I get the information and I build it and write it. I didn't know he was leaving the company and neither did anyone else. (laughs) So he gave me a lot of stuff and I would say to him, he would say something and oh yeah, mention how fat so-and-so is. (laughs) He doesn't mind about being overweight. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make some jokes about that. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting a green light, so I'm, you know, and the guy's name actually had something to do with weight, like this, this oh. the other VP, and, <laughs> and then I, I kind of made a joke about that and this other thing, and then, man, by the end of that rose, which started off with, like, everyone laughing, by the end, it was radio silence. Oh, no. <laughs> and the production company that hired me, and I had, had a relationship with these people, they were... Yeah. They were, and I was like, ah, 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 what, what, what happened? You know, and it, this guy basically, this was the swan song. Right. Like, that was a Saturday night. He was announcing he was leaving on Monday, and he just wanted to, like, pummel <laughs> the, the executive team. And I was the, the unwitting pawn in, in this. Right. You were the match with which he burned the bridge behind him. <laughs> right. Yeah. So sure. It was pretty funny, but I learned a lesson because my little internal internal corporate radar went off. Uh-huh. Right. When he was saying some of the stuff, like, blah, 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 you know, like, yeah. like the needle went over to, like, you know, building on fire. Explosion. Danger, danger. Yeah, danger, danger. This does not sound right. Uh, so I kind of knew it, but I was like, well, the guy's a VP. I mean, right. pretty high up in the company. So, but I didn't realize I was getting sold out. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, are there any impressions that you're working on right now that you haven't unveiled yet? You know, that's a great question, and people ask me that all the time. But honestly, I wouldn't know who to do. Mm. Right now, I, I, you know, I'm toying around with Pence, and I think these, these next, I, going back to what we were talking about before about we're so fractionalized now, mm-hmm. you know, any impersonation that you do, you want a majority of the audience to know who it is. Right. So, you know, when I was a kid, there was Humphrey Bogart, and there was James Cagney, and Henry Fonda, and Jimmy Stewart, and all these movie stars. Mm-hmm had such great personalities and you could Im- imitate them. Well, like, honestly, I don't know anybody who does Tom Hanks, and he's one of the biggest stars in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And there's like, somebody like Tom Cruise, but you, what are you going to do with Tom Cruise? You're going to jump on a couch. Yeah. So there's, um, so we, we live in a time when movie stars don't really have mm. an imitatable right. style. And, you know, I could certainly work on somebody like George Clooney or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're in a world where uh, in this country, like, you better learn to impersonate reality stars. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think uh, what's going to be happening over these next few years, there's going to be such a spotlight on politics mm-hmm. uh, that I'm going to probably look towards doing more um, uh, political figures. Right, right. Well, I and Pence is, so, Pence is so milk toast, kind of all right, shucks. Right. And he's got this way of speaking yeah. that is Tomorrow we are going to repeal Obamacare. So I'm trying to find that, where does he fall in his voice? Where is it genetically for me? And things like that. And, uh, you know, and maybe even look to some, some other people. Maybe, you know, Bernie Sanders is pretty easy. But maybe focus on Chuck Schumer because Chuck mm. Schumer is going to be yeah. really out front. Good point, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm kind of reevaluating who I'm going to impersonate. I don't want to be like a 
political comedian uh, necessarily, but if this is where it's going to be right. and a larger number of the population know who these specific people are, I mean, who knows? I mean, Rex Tillerson may be the most well-known <laughs> Secretary of State ever. Sure. Uh, John, you know, John Goodman did him a couple weeks ago uh-huh. on SNL. This might, he might be a guy who's very easily in it, imitatable. Maybe sure. He's got some, I haven't heard him speak, mm-hmm. but maybe he's got some folksy kind of way of speaking. That, right. You know, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm always looking. Like, when Guy Fieri came along, it was like it was, like, it was like, like a gift. But honestly, I don't see anybody breaking out on TV. We're in such a weird state of flux. Right, right. As far as entertainment, we're so fractionalized. And, you know, like I said, you know, you've got YouTube stars and you've got people who are just totally into gaming. And you've got, you know, I have friends. They literally only watch HGTV. So unless <laughs> someone's renovating a house, they have no idea who they are. Right. You know? and, I, and I'm not going to be doing the Property Brothers. I'm not that tall and skinny. You know? Exactly. Um, but, uh, well, we're approaching the hour mark here, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, just a couple more questions. I always ask people sure. uh, what music... And I'll be much you... quicker with my answers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what music have you been listening to lately here? Oh, I, I, love, I love jazz. Um, so I listen to a lot of jazz. Uh, but I have this weird... Uh, I, I love pop music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love pop music, so I've been listening to D, um, so it's D-N-C-E, and uh, Usher, and uh, Megan Trainor, because I need to be, like, I I work on my own, Mm -hmm. so I'm by myself, I spend an inordinate amount of time by myself, if you haven't noticed, that's why I'm talking to you, (laughs) Um, so I need to, like, I need, like, music that really motivates me and gets me going through the day, so I've always found the pop music. Yeah. I'm probably like the oddest, you know, person my age. Like, I'm listening to DNCA, but I also li- I also live in Las Vegas, so I listen to techno and right. um, house music and um, uh, anything that I find interesting. Because as a creative person, like, ooh, that's that's new, that's different, mm-hmm. that's a fascinating sound. Right. Um, I'm you know, if someone says, hey, check this artist out, I'm more than more than happy to just just listen to them. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and finally, you know, before we go here, uh, would Mr. Trump, would you mind doing a short promo for the Rob Burgess show, if, if you wouldn't mind? Absolutely. You know, when I listen to radio, the only person I listen to is Rob Burgess. This guy is absolutely fantastic. Amazing guest, amazing interviews. I have to tell you something. It's the only show I'll be on. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Trump. Um, anyway, uh, any part, any parting words of wisdom before we go? Well, to anybody who's uh, who's listening and wants to do Donald Trump, because <laughs> I get people every day asking me how to impersonate him, which I think is hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I've actually helped helped a few people out. It's just you know, listen to his voice, listen to your own voice. If you have to play it back, that's the you know. Hear his voice and hear your voice and figure out where they match up. Mm-hmm. Well, in his tweets, when you read the tweets, he definitely, you know how they always say, write how you speak. He definitely writes how he speaks. So, I mean, you can definitely hear oh, you his... Oh, can hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You 
you can, sad. You can hear his anger. You can hear his snarkiness. You can hear, you know, how many of the tweets ended with sad? Sad. That little I just think that's hilarious. Wrong. You know? Yeah, wrong. Alec Baldwin has been doing me for years and making a fortune. Sad. You know? exactly. That show should be canceled. Sad. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, it'll be out tomorrow, and I'll send you a link. So. Oh, cool, man. All cool. right, I'll talk to you around. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. See you, bye. If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount.
Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.